Happy Wednesday, everyone. This is the Top of the Week podcast, a division of the College Heights Herald and Revolution 91.7 at Western Kentucky University. I'm Laurel Deppin. And I'm Rebecca Alvey. This week's top stories include the Preston Center's $18.7 million renovations, WKU's ongoing lawsuit with the Herald, and more. The WKU Environmental Health and Safety Director, David Oliver, says there is currently no plan in place for people with disabilities in an active shooter situation. Two notable active shooter incidents happened in Kentucky in 2018, including a January shooting at Marshall County High School and last month's shooting at a Louisville Kroger. WKU follows an FBI model for dealing with active shooter situations that says to run, hide, or fight, but what does this mean for students with disabilities who may not be able to? Oliver said there is no specific plan for disabled students and faculty, but in that situation, he would encourage them to barricade themselves. Preston Center is planning an estimated $18.7 million renovation, which would add a rock climbing wall, a demonstration kitchen, a multi-activity gym, and other new features. The project is estimated to be completed within 8 to 10 years and will be funded entirely by university donations. Stephen Ray, director of WKU's Intramural Sports, said the project is student-driven and is mainly in place to increase university recruitment and retention. The rock wall addition was heavily requested by students, and the plans are to place it by the entrance of the center. In another attempt to increase recruitment and retention, the Opportunity Fund Scholarship has been created for minority and first-generation students. The fund aims to raise $50 million for renewable scholarships to be awarded to students. The fund will also go to study abroad and away scholarships and other educational enriching programs. According to the Opportunity Fund website, 95% of students receive some form of financial assistance to attend WKU. The total cost, including tuition, parking, housing, dining, books, and supplies, is about $19,000 to $21,000 a year. The Opportunity Fund aims to remove barriers to education, aid in emergency situations, and help students afford experiences to better prepare them for work and life. A WKU professor and her graduate student have started a lecture series in the hopes of sparking change. The Black Minds Matter lecture series is intended to address the experiences of African-American men in their education. The series will include three sessions each semester, but Di said she's open to hosting more depending on the demand. WKU's lawsuit with the Herald has gone on since early 2017. Now an attorney representing the Herald has filed new documents that support the paper's right to access faculty sexual misconduct records. Here to discuss is the Herald's print managing editor, Emma Austin. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. I've been a fan of the Top of the Week podcasts ever since it came out three weeks ago, and I'm excited to um, be able to get out the Herald's news to um, readers or listeners in new ways. Well, thank you so much. I I appreciate the support. Firstly, can you give us a brief overview of the lawsuit? Sure. So um, in November of 2016, uh, Herald reporter Nicole Aries filed an open records request under the Kentucky Open Records Act, asking WKU for records concerning sexual misconduct of university employees. Um, WKU told Aries that 20 cases of sexual misconduct were reported and six resulted in um, a finding of university policy violations. Um, But WKU did not release those records, um, which they eventually said were protected by FERPA, which is the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act, um, which is a federal law that protects the privacy of student education records. 
So in January of 2017, the Kentucky Attorney General, Andy Bashir ruled that WKU had to turn over those records and that they were not protected by, um, by FERPA, but um, WKU did not want to do that, so their only option was to sue the Herald, um, which they did in February, to appeal the order from Bashir. And now here we are still in the lawsuit um, over a year later. So what exactly is WKU arguing um, as to why they're not releasing these records? So their stance is that releasing these Title IX records, um, even with all involved students' names redacted, could identify the student or victim. Um, before I go further, I'll point out that the records we are requesting are employee disciplinary records, not student disciplinary records. Um, second, we're not asking them for the names of the students involved, um, and even if we somehow got them, we would not publish them. Um, we don't want a student's name out there or for them to have to relive a painful experience. Um, but as former editor-in-chief Andrew Henderson wrote last semester, we believe privacy and safety can coexist. Um, Micah Boddy, the attorney representing the Herald in the lawsuit, has said it's clear that um, the lawsuit is not about violating student privacy. WKU can redact information about students in any documents it releases, which it has um, also it has refused to do. Um, Nicole Aries did write a story based on Title IX records from other universities um, investigating how sexual misconduct was handled and victims were protected. We believe it's important to report on situations of faculty misconduct because what Nicole found in her reporting is that in some cases employees um, with records of sexual misconduct have quietly resigned um, and gone on to teach at another university or even stayed and taught classes at that same university. What is the latest update on this story that was in the Herald this week? So this week, Abadi, the Herald's attorney, um, filed new court documents to argue that a similar case in the Franklin Circuit Court supports the Herald's right to access um, the records we're seeking. So um, this case um, that Abadi uh, brought into the into our case involves the um, Kentucky Labor Cabinet and the Kentucky Public Radio or Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting. Um, so in October, the Labor Cabinet disclosed the name of an employee who allegedly um, repeatedly exposed himself to a coworker and forced her to touch his genitals. And the filing states that the agency determined the allegations were unsubstantiated because this employee denied the allegation and no additional witnesses came forward. Um, he was then transferred to another government agency where he is still employed, according to the um, court records. So uh, this court ruling held that the allegations of sexual misconduct in a public agency um, must be characterized as presumptively public, um, even in a case where the agency failed to substantiate the allegations um, because the public has a right to know if the internal investigation was thorough and unbiased. So um, in the latest case filing, Abadi argues that this reasoning applies to the Herald's case. Well, Emma, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Rebecca, I'm really tired right now. What is your favorite way to get caffeinated? <laughs> well, coffee's a great solution. <laughs> Coffee um, is the only solution, in my opinion. Yeah. I just tried some five-hour energy, and I don't think it worked. Yeah, I had, like... Of Red Bull once and one I just don't think they taste that great 
like coffee's infinitely better. I don't know. Never even like felt more caffeinated. I don't know. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Coffee is Red the Bull only doesn't solution. work. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a top of the week podcast, a division of the College Heights Herald in Revolution 917. Be sure to check out the Herald's digital election day and post-election coverage at wkuherald.com and until our next top of the week podcast on wednesday be sure to check out our sister podcasts on revolution 91.7 including the revolution solution and nickel and dime and the herald's podcast the topper extra have a great week